Disclosure, nothing said on the hive mind is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our own opinions, not financial advice. Hi everyone. My name is Jose Macedo, and welcome to the second episode of the Hive Mind podcast. The goal of the podcast is to provide an inside look into what we like to call the Delphi Hive Mind, bringing together some of our brightest minds from each of the divisions to share insights, alpha, and ship posts. Today with us, we have Ceteris Paribus, Ceteris from our institutional research arm, who focuses in blockchain infrastructure and DeFi. We have Jan Lieberman, managing partner at Delphi Ventures, and Ventures Associate Duncan also known as Flood Capital, prodigious shitcoin scavenger and investor. I lead Delphi Labs, our protocol R&D arm focused on incubating and accelerating new Web3 primitives. It's been a hectic week in crypto with, um, with Frentech launching, base, and uh, some macro stuff. So we're going to dive into all that. Okay, so I have a pretty extensive sleep setup. I got like a fan, an air conditioner, blackout blinds, a Faraday cage and like a mat that goes under my bed to like block out all the EMF stuff. Then I have earplugs and eye mask and I've just ordered uh, the eight sleep mattress. So I'll let you guys know. <clears throat> oh, Do you so you haven't like done it yet? Girls over? What do they, what do they say when they see your, your cage? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> Welcome no one's to my seen cage. The cage yet. The cage is new. You don't get any cell <laughs> signal in here, so don't worry. You know what Matt Bridges said? So like I, I sent in the cage one day to like the full chat, and Matt Bridges, I was like, this keeps out EMF. And he like forwards me the message. He's like, and girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, it keeps, it keeps in girls as well, I guess, in your case. <laughs> I, I I was looking at the eight sleeps, but I opted for a, a mattress pad that has the same cooling stuff where it cools into the night and warms up in the morning just because I, I, I don't like the eight sleep mattresses as much. And so it was like the best of you both. Can just get you, a get your mattress and then you can just get the eight tech. sleep topper. Yeah, it's topper. That's what I'm doing. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's a chili pad is what I got. Okay. Nice. You're definitely going to be like drinking young kids blood and stuff when you're older and doing doing that whole <laughs> go brian johnson mode yeah duncan's definitely doing all that stuff 100 lots of vitamins and stuff i tried that yeah okay we don't need any of this but i've tried a bunch of different things you know like the all meat diet for a few months how was that that was good uh, but it's my my girlfriend definitely like was like broke up with me over that because we couldn't go out. like I was the only thing I would use steak and she's like can we fucking eat something else and I'm like come on. <laughs> man I'm I did like cage, a pretty please we need to I did eat like a pretty I draw the line <laughs> I did like a pretty hard cut like basically no carbs uh, years ago maybe like seven eight years ago intermittent fasting all the time all the time I got so lean um, that it actually kind of started like fucking me up. Like, <clears throat> I was freezing cold all the time. I was tired all the time. No like, I had to put back on, I had to put back on like 20 pounds to start feeling like good again. It like messed up my hormones and everything. Yeah, I used to do that for, for fights and it's horrible. That's never again. I just eat, eat whatever yeah. the fuck I want now. Yeah, like cutting. Yeah. So how does that work? You have to get down to a certain weight, like the, the day of the fight or the day before or something? Uh, both. 
depending on what you compete in, like in MMA, it's, it'll be like the day before. So then you can do like some really wild cuts where you like water load and then, and then basically cut water. Um, and you can literally have like 20, 25 pound weight gains in like the 36 hours till you fight or whatever. Like it's, it's what? wild. Yeah. And like a, and like a day, if you do that properly, um, the same days you can't do that shit. Cause obviously if you step onto this, when you step onto the scale, you're literally like about, about to faint kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's pretty terrible. Well, and also my dad, it's just a very unhealthy. Yeah, just inadvertent. When my dad was a kid, he had to make, yeah. uh, to join certain football, like, uh, weight heights. They had the like weighing every year. So he'd run around in the heat with a garbage bag on <laughs> and lose like 10 pounds of water, get on the scale, like almost dying and then get to go. Is this for wrestling? No, football. Like, Oh, uh, really? Yeah, there's like weight, weight. Why levels. would they? Well, because it's tag bizarre. bar. So I've never seen, heard of that. Is this in yeah. Canada, they play. They play yeah. football. In Usually, Canada. they're not. They're you're, you're optimizing for more weight though, especially linemen. Yeah, yeah, but you need to. They do the leagues by weight, so they don't have some massive oh. kid just rocking like smaller kids. <laughs> yeah, kidding. Because a kid born in like a tall Danny kid born in January. Yeah. Like, what about? What about you, Jan? How's the how's the belly coming along? I know you you had a a baby belly. In it's a- uh yeah, had a kid eleven days ago, so it was shedding weight now due <laughs> to lack of sleep. But belly uh, that's man. awesome. Dumb, yeah, found out. You weren't trade you weren't uh, trading front tech on the weekend then. I, I bought a couple shares, but I I. No, no, I've been not, not trading anything. Who'd you I've buy? actually bought Who'd shares of the people whose group I want to join. Uh, I bought, let me go through. Uh, I, I bought so some like, Saka. I bought Saka, yeah. Um, who do I have? Uh, Will Price, Avi, G Money, uh, Rob, Disclosure, Sisyphus, and that's all I have so far. Is there like actually any alpha in the chats or no? Not really so far. No, that's yeah. general so, conversations. I don't really know how it works that well. Do you want to explain? Like, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, basically, basically you just buy a share and then you get a paid group. People come in, yeah. When they join, they're, they're, they like trigger this like issuance of their shares. It's all on the bonding curve. Um, and so there's like, there's a real, real incentive to kind of buy up someone's or keys. We should call them keys. They're not shares, they're keys. Um, to buy up someone's like keys early, right? And then, um, yeah, you get access to this basically group chat with them. Um, it's for the most part right now, it's a popularity contest. Like, <clears throat> you know, Kobe sits near the top. You've got Ansem up there who's been pretty active with it. Um, and <clears throat> recently you've seen, you've seen it cross out a bit. Like you got Grayson Allen, right? NBA stars come in. You have uh, Faze Banks, who I think, I don't actually know who he is, but he's popular. Um, and there's like a bunch of OnlyFame girls joining that too. Um, so the, the, the thing is, the way creators monetize here is through volume of their shares being traded, right? <clears throat> like every buy or sell takes a 10% fee. Five goes to the protocol, five goes to the creator. Um, and so that's actually how they make the money. It's not off people holding your shares. It's actually just on a lot of trading volume. So 
uh, being someone who is actually pretty like volatile personality, um, <laughs> tries to like, you know, get a lot of activity in their shares is that's not you, I guess. Man, imagine Sue yeah, Sue last year. His shares would be would be in it. Yeah, it's so like you have weird alignment, right? On the, you, you almost want to incentivize a sell off and then a buyback because you know you, you're better off shares dumping and then returning back to where they were versus just staying constant like like Sarah said I think it's cool I, I have issues so you know one of the concerns is just I think the bonding curve is is far too steep uh and, and that hinders adoption so bonding curve just basically means with each new share outstanding the price goes up so you buy off the curve and so there's more share outstanding and then to sell you 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 sell into the curve so there's less share outstanding and price goes down but the the issue is you know, uh, uh, I think the, the numbers were, it's like, if you have, you know, uh, I should pull those up, but basically if you have, you know, around 200, 250 shares, the, the entrance is like, uh, three ETH. So, you know, what, what that does is it, it really limits the amount of people that can, can participate in the group. And, and so I think it limits the audience and, and kind of, you know, what, what are potential solutions? Um, it's tough to change the curve once it's already live because, you know, the, the modification here would be to flatten it, but then you're really rugging existing users. And, and also you have everyone on different points of the curve, right? Just based on how many shares are outstanding. So where do you, where do you start to flatten it? Um, you, you, like somebody's getting screwed. So you either have to flatten it at the most expensive part, which then, you know, hurts the least amount of people by the most expensive part. I just mean like racers, basically he's, his shares are the highest. So you flatten it there. Um, you could do a share split. The concern is there, you know, so basically each person owns one share. As long as you have one share, you get access to the, to the, um, to the conversation. If you have any more, it's basically for, what, what are you trying to solve so here? If you're, you, trying you to solve, you're trying to solve the problem that, that this thing is going to get too expensive. If, uh, like you, you can only have, really have I like think it's already too expensive people and maybe not even that. Yeah. yeah. At most, I think realistically you should probably, you know, so there's a couple of kind of paths. One, if you do a share split, you're going to have a massive sell-off because, you know, I'm only going to hold, I'm now instead of one, I have 10 shares. I only need one, so I'll sell the other nine. Um, so you get a massive sell-off there. The way you kind of counter that is potentially adding additional forms of utility uh, to holding more shares, whether it's access to a smaller group or, or IRL stuff, potentially for kind of like um, media or like celebrities. I, I think the, 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 the thing that should have happened in the beginning was uh, customization of the bonding curve itself. And, and obviously you don't want the creators coming in and saying, I want this formula, but you can, you know, do that through a UI where they say, I am looking to create an intimate group, or I'm looking to create a larger group. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of adjust the curves parameters based on that and you do it all in the back end. So the problem is once it's all live, it's, it's really hard to adjust without somebody getting right. screwed. Yeah. And so the other solution is potentially like creating multiple curves for people to, to, for different types of access. Right. So it's accomplishing a similar goal, but yeah, I, I think it's just so hard to, to adjust these once they're live. And, and I think it's really hard to, to kind of put the genie back in the bottle on that front. The, the, the hardest so, part to me is that there's just no clean exit. Like if you're, if you're a creator and you're on this now, you have the share price, you don't, and you don't want to do it anymore. There's no clean way to stop. Like there's really not you. The only way to stop is <clears throat> to just stop posting. And then everyone who's holding your shares lose money. Basically, um, you could, could kind of like, 
Yeah, so you could kind of... There's no, like, real fair way to do this. You're going to screw someone no matter what. What you could do, though, is all the ETH and the bonding curve. I guess you could just, like, adjust it to a fixed price and let everyone redeem at that price. Obviously, the late buyers would still lose, like, 75% or so of the value they paid. But that way, you also don't create, like, a rush for the exit or whatever. But that's, yeah, like, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, when I thought about doing this... I haven't joined it yet. I haven't not joined it because of like legal reasons or anything. Like so many people are on this now that I don't know about that. But the biggest thing for me is like, I'm going to get bored of this at some point. And what do I do now? I have all these people holding like these keys of me or whatever. And how do I, yeah, it feels like an obligation, right? And, and obviously for people who join you like narcissists, like it doesn't really matter. They'll just leave and it's, everything's fine but for a lot of people i think that they actually care about like the ability to exit gracefully in a sense and you can't you can't like really do that at this stage right so that's what i think is kind of the the big so those are the two biggest flaws two biggest flaws i think is that the income's all on trading fees which you can definitely kind of change that like few people have brought up the ability you could like stake the ETH in the bonding curve and then like the yield goes to the creator um that's like more that, that in like if you do that then you're not incentivized for trading volume as much um but it would be that if you think about the math make, on that it's like it, it's pennies right you still would make way more in trading fees yeah so yeah. that's yeah that's the thing right um Wait, so but Zooming out a little, Cedric, like, what is the value? Like, what's the like? Is there a real breakthrough here? Because to me, from like an outside point of view, who hasn't tried it yet, is just like feels very much like NFTs, where a lot of these collections are really expensive relative to like the utility or value you're getting. I think it's an access thing too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, think about someone who is like a really profound writer, um, and they have like a paid Substack or something. They charge like monthly, yearly fees. Instead, what they could do is they could maybe like fix the price of their shares and people would deposit um, and they would do this yield thing, right? And <clears throat> like maybe your membership, for expensive memberships, this doesn't really work. But if, you're, if your cost is like 250 to 500 bucks a year, then it would just cause people to lock up like 5 to 10K ETH and they could get that back at any time, okay? Like the key is that they can get that back at any time. So for the subscriber, instead of actually paying like the 500 bucks a year or whatever, you just put like ETH into- Who the hell are they gonna do that? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think about like what the angle is to this. Because... And like three other people are gonna go lock up 10 grand to read- Well, you don't lock it up, you get it back at any time. So you wanna read someone's content, you don't actually have to pay. It's like the opportunity cost you're paying with. You're not paying with- I know, but like you have to generate the yield on the ETH. So you get to leave it there for six months or whatever. Uh, well, no, I mean, you just like the you would have rules around. You'd have rules around like how yeah. often you can enter an exit and stuff. But um, yeah, that seemed like a bit of a stretch of a use case. I think the access one is, is a big <laughs> one, where it's like you can directly pay for access, and the creator themselves can, you know, assuming they had the ability to, to modify the bonding curve, they can, you know, I, I want this to be accessible realistically by 100 to 200 people. So right now, right. Your, the 200th share costs 2.75 ETH, right? So, you know, that's yeah. a lot. And and so, I mean, if you want to keep it exclusive, 
then it makes sense to keep it at this curve. And then you can actually, you know, respond to people's questions um, because it's, it's a limited amount. I think what, what helps is that there's a permanence to the conversations that are in there. So you message the person, they, they're the only ones that see your message. And usually what they'll do is like a quote of your question and then a response, but the entire history of everything the creator has posted in there stays. So if you're buying, you at least get access to the historical information. Um, but I could see like the OnlyFans element once they add photos being uh, a big one, but at the same time, it's just like so expensive relative to traditional OnlyFans. I think the idea is cool though. It's also like kind of captures yeah. something that NFTs did where it's like, um, it's hard to set a fixed price for certain things, right? Like, and, and that, that includes like your time and like access to you. Like, uh, and there's been a lot of models like this. Like, I think this is like one of the, one of those startup ideas that a lot of people have tried, just like being able to book an hour with, with, with someone's time, right? Some famous person's time. Um, and they set a fixed price, then you could book through this platform and it kind of just happens but it's like never taken off. Um, and I think pricing is like kind of an issue, like, you know, actually pricing in an hour of your time. And I feel like with stuff like this, it actually just captures in some way, like the value both of the time and speculative value of like future of this person's time. Um, especially if you can end up putting like more cash flows through it, like add um, subscription revenue or something like that. But I don't, I don't know how all that like plays out. I mean, my experience with this thing was I logged on, uh, like uh, some random people bought my shares, then I then I, the bots, and then I bought like some of my shares, and then they dumped on me, <laughs> and I, I I lost like I mean, a thousand bucks to or your, something. So to your point though, like you can keep that speculative. Like obviously, the reason why this took off is because people want to speculate on it, right? And you can kind of keep that with your idea of like selling your time and things like that. But I think the difference is when you're explicitly like selling your time, and then those are consumed. That there's not this need to like maintain a price or something, yeah. right? Because you're selling stuff that is going to be consumed at some point. And so people can still, if someone famous comes in, people can still like speculate on like buying those, whatever, whatever like the person decides. It's like an hour of time. It's like one question, whatever. People can still speculate on that. But it, at the end of the day, like those are still going to be consumed and like burned. And so there's no need to like maintain it in perpetuity. And that's the thing with this thing is that you have to, it's like implied that you have to maintain this price in like perpetuity, basically, unless everybody just leaves, right? So if one person with a high share price now, this is where it gets, this is where it's going to get kind of like contentious, I guess. One person with a high share price doesn't want to do this anymore. They can like leave, I guess, um, but they're also going to get like shit on a lot. Uh, versus if everybody, if the whole thing kind of just like tails off and nobody, there's like no, there's no blame, right? Because now everybody's just kind of like tailed off and it, and it's all good. But, yeah. but I still feel like we're not really getting to like, why is this better than like a paid group or only fans? Or is this just making it easier to do? Like, why is this better than launching an NFT collection or having an only fans or having a paid group? Like I really don't get why. It's I think the onboarding was cool. The onboarding is cool. Cause you like social wallet, which I think is going to be a way bigger thing moving forward. So it's a big thing for like normal people who don't want to deal with like private key seed phrases, all that stuff. You just sign up with like okay. a phone number or a Google account or an Apple account. And then it creates this like MPC wallet for you. So that aspect is very cool. They also like 
bypass the Apple Store. So you actually just install it like through your browser. Um, so that like bypass the Apple tax and everything. Yeah, I think that UX pattern is going to be like a bunch of people are going to start using that now. Yeah, it was pretty smooth. But I don't think OnlyFans and like or Patreon or whatever are, are like the right comparables though. You're 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 not just paying no. for their time. You're like speculating on the future value of their time, and that's like both a uh, a bug, right? In the sense that Setters says like it's not clean. You're not just paying for like a service which is like well defined. Uh, well, as well defined as OnlyFans can be, and 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 then you you get like your value out of it. You're actually it's actually like this amorphous thing where you can't really ever exit. It's unclear what the expectations are and stuff. But that is also the beauty of it, right? Some people you'll buy and they'll and they'll end up doing a lot of stuff, putting a lot of revenue through it. I imagine. Uh, well, whereas others won't. I think that's part of the part of the bet here. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is, is it's like the the individual who actually like there there's a, a built-in incentive to eventually like send a message to your group saying i'm done with this because you're better off having everyone sell it down to zero than actually keep your price high from like purely selfish creator perspective because you're getting fees on volume it's just unfortunate that you can't really tweak this once it's live because of the financial implications like there, there could have been a play version of this done first with um, and, and then like a, a real one, but, um, yeah, if two, if it costs two over like three ETH or something to join at 250 people, then this is going nowhere. No, but it, it would make sense if like, if you were, uh, like uh, that curve makes sense for like Sokka and Kobe or something, or like, you're just like some, you know, some, um, big celebrity and, and you wanted to do a few IRL events and you say, you know, the, 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 the shares, the price of the share should have started high and then, and then continue to get higher. And you can do like IRL events for my, for some of the biggest fans. And, and you know, you have to prove that you, that you own this to go and, and stuff like that. I think that there's elements there, but again, it boils down to having like customization around the curve rather than, than kind of having a, a one size fits all. I saw one uh, idea on, on Twitter, somebody basically combining um, uh, Pendle with, with this and, and separating like YT and PT kind of shares. So it's like one, get the access to the channel and the other allow for like speculative uh, speculation on the price. Yeah, like, yeah. Is that, I, long has it been happening for like a week? Oh, just over a week. I think it was like the 11. But no, like I think the right yeah, model so. has a stable part and a speculative part to like on that. And I'm not saying the Pendle model is like the right one, but I do think that you have to have the main, the main model needs to be somewhat stable. And then you can allow this side event of speculation that maybe has to do with things you consume, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think how this would work with something like, you know, the ad model, like something like Instagram, like let, let's say you thought this person was gonna get really famous and you like bought their Instagram shares or whatever and then got like a percentage of like the ad revenue they generate from like people like scrolling through their posts like that could be interesting on the speculative side but you need to like onboard a lot of users in order to do that and I feel like you know that we're probably still pretty far away like it'd be cool if you did this like on on Twitter right like if you could buy shares in someone and then see like people are starting to earn ad revenue now like that seems like it has a bit more of a path to like making sense. I think but, like uh, gating purchases 
uh, there should have been some form of gating purchases based on like owning a Twitter account because you know this thing just got bought endlessly. So either that and or adding in like the ability to only maybe buy one share to reduce just like blatant speculation at the expense of, of adoption. Well, like you know, if you have bots just buying up so many shares, it becomes prohibitive and 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 a bit frustrating for people who are just like, I showed up, you know, a week late, and and now I have to pay way more. <clears throat> yeah, Do people think, don't want to yeah, buy yeah. that either because they see that bots are ready to dump it too. Yeah, so exactly. it's like people you might join, and you know, if any of us like join, bots would buy up some amount, right? Because we have like decent followings. Uh, and then so other people see that it's like, oh, you're, you're all held by bots. And it's like, if you're going to buy, then you're like the bot sex liquidity. These bots have made a lot on like everything, everything's MEV. Everything always becomes some like MEV bot searcher extraction. Yeah. yeah I don't have a great take. I mean, do, do we think this is just going to be like a flash in the pan or, or it's actually going to iterate into something, into something real? Maybe like, since ever, does anyone think it is? I'm leaning towards Flash. You haven't even hand, used it, but I don't, I know. But Why are you hating? That's my- I Actually, I do feel a, a guilt to respond to questions though in there because you have <laughs> shareholders, which is which is a feature, right? Yeah. Like people ask them like, oh, I got to answer. Like the guy bought some shares. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're answering questions on there. I'm going to buy some yarn shares. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they are going to, I think they're definitely going to try and change stuff. I just don't know what that is. And if you can actually <clears throat> like change it to something sustainable at this point, to, to the honest point without, you're going to have to like kind of screw someone, I guess the, the goal now is like, how can you screw the least amount of people and keep it going? I think you keep going if they like do the token, right? Like if they time things, right? Like they build up around the token, they launch it. Like that could extend it for a while. I mean, one thing I'll say is like people time. going, people using this because they think they're getting like an airdrop or something. Like they're probably paying way more in fees buying these shares than they're ever going to get like an airdrop. And it's kind of just a direct stimulus to influencers. Paradigm might be generous to us. Yeah, Paradigm does have some big token airdrops. So I think the next thing we're going to talk about on the, on the, oh, and yeah, before that, sorry, because like the treasury has amounted a pretty decent amount of ether already. Right. So like uh, the something. protocol itself, uh, obviously there's inflated volumes right now in the beginning, but um, yeah, it, it does generate a pretty material amount of fees. So I think like as a result, the token would be valuable. Yeah. yeah. They can also do something with the treasury. Um, to try and like fix it. Maybe they add like some setter is obsessed with his 3% yield. Maybe they have, uh, <laughs> maybe they like start creating like some floor price or something. I don't know. They can, but they have like a pretty big treasury. They can maybe try and do something with that uh, instead of keeping it. There's also a lot of innovation can be built around the primitive, right? There's already someone that's built uh, that, that dope front end. What's that called? Um, yeah. Uh, and like people have, people have, wait, what is it? Is it like a BitMEX front end or front end? That's, yeah. that's cool. like in the BitMEX exactly, UI yeah. and someone did a yeah. index yeah. perp as that's well cool. for like the, the, the top 10 or top 20, whatever. There's some drama that they, they changed it overnight, but, but yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be some cool stuff built on top of this, just given how much attention it's grabbed. Um, it's also kind of a testament to how, how dead stuff is that kind of, this is like. Yes, I was just about to say that. I was like, fucking everyone's talking yeah. about this for the past eight days because we have nothing yeah. to do. I don't know. At the same time, though, like when BitCloud came out, which, you know, 
the, the, the that that was during bull and and high volatility, and there was still a lot of attention that went to that. It's true, despite knowing that like the investors had massive free mines and it was so ruggy. Um, I, I I think it's just like different. Yeah, one yeah. one thing I want to say on this is like the things I do like that they did is that they didn't do that massive pre mine thing. They also made people opt in instead of just automatically trading people, <clears throat> which is something that BitCloud did, which was also kind of like scummy. So. Um, I do think they've made like uh, some decent improvements in that aspect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what about the fact that it was launched on base? Yeah, that's where yeah, I was. What do you think about base? Where, where, that's where I was headed to. What do you think? Um, Ceteris, I guess you have the you have your your take on this. No, I mean right now it kind of just feels like there's this big like EVM uh, roll up farm farming season people kind of just hopping <clears throat> around trying to like find like the new the new primitives i mean base base had uh kind of a very shocking amount of rugs that i was not really expecting when it was announced um so that's kind of the what i see right but but good but what's good with this what's good with this app is that every single like evml2 has the same basically the same stuff like I guess Arbitrum you have GMX, which is different. Optimism, you kind of have like some synthetic stuff, right? But for the most part, you're creating this roll up, you're making a Borderland, you're making an AMM, you're making like a stable coin or something. <clears throat> and you're always just recreating the same copy pasta like farm primitives over and over again. And so this app has been truly differentiated. It's brought in people from outside, just people using like rollups and everything. Um, and so that is what I think is like. And there's no airdrop, right? There's no like, well, friend might have, friend tech might have one, but like base itself has no airdrop. And I think it's already flippened like Arbitrum and, and pretty much every other L2 on like transaction count and stuff like that, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. But how, how much that's like just, yeah, friend tech bots. I mean, Bald did, did some damage too uh, before SBF went to jail. It falls back to seven and a half mil. Seven and a half mil. Oh damn! What did he get up 100? to? Uh, no, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. It got close. I think it got like. It, you got it over hundred. I'm pretty sure it got really close. I think it got nearly. 100. I don't know why Dex Tools is showing. One thing is that there's been a trend of like these devs with, uh, or not even devs, just people who are deploying stuff, who have gone traction and then they're rugging, uh, pretty quickly, uh, even though they've gone traction with it. Which is yeah, bullet was one. Yeah, like that thing was that was surprising. So the bald one, I was I was very surprised by. Yeah, it's like I, I also just don't. I mean, if you, if your eventual goal is to rug, why do it so early? Well, they probably made, they made a lot on that. But it's like it was a successful thing. It's it's like just let it let it live. Like yeah, but it's a meme coin. It's like how high, like no no bullet was the was like the the you played Russian roulette and those burned. <laughs> based on the, the gameplay. And it was like growing users, growing volume. It just like didn't make sense. Like even if your ultimate goal was to rug, this isn't when you do it. When <laughs> you do it when like it's slowing down or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think people were putting in like 10K clips to play this game. So yeah, like outside of the meme coins, the rugs, I think with base too, there were like a few exit scams and then a few exploits too. Like I think every early decks on yeah. base is like already gone 
Um, so, yeah. I thought Sushi was going to launch there. Surely Sushi um, won't get exploited. Why do you think there were so many scams that launched on base that didn't do this on Arbitrum or Optimism? Uh, I think they just, I guess, took advantage of the hype. I think one thing was, was like the one-way bridge was like an initial reason because everyone just tossed the money over there thinking, you know, maybe I'll get this back eventually. Also, everybody wants to be early, right? That's like one of the main investment thesis <laughs> using any chain or any ecosystem is you want to be early. And you can't do that on Optimism or Arbitrum anymore. So you have the prime opportunity to kind of like take advantage of people, right? Because all this money is going to come in like right at the start. And this is like if you want to rug as these people did, like that is when you're, I guess, going to do it. Like Bolt, that Bolt coin, people really thought it was like a serious meme coin that was going to go to like unironically like a billion dollar market sense, though. like it, 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 <laughs> it i think it had like decent ev as a bet because like you know meme coin native to a chain and you always had like you know dj and spartan and others drifting around like you know the investment tell me you got rugged with that telling me you got rugged oh dude i i i, I bought everything <laughs> on 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 uh base and got rugged <laughs> no because it was funny because like it all happened over the weekend, right? Yeah, it all happened over the weekend. So I like look at my phone on Sunday night. And I'm like, fuck, I missed this. And then like the next day it was rugged. I'm like, okay, didn't miss anything. <laughs> Back to usual. But I mean, to their credit, like I think uh, a lot of a lot of liquidity has stayed there. Um, Frentech obviously has done a lot. So it will, I mean, It'll be interesting to see what kind of the activity on the other L2s does and like how much cannibalizing is this versus new users. And I know we've seen like Arbitrum and Optimism transactions tick down a bit over the last week. Um, not to the point that it's like everyone is just moving over to base, but there is some of that effect. And I think base is planning on, I think when they launched base, it was like 10% of the revenue from the sequencer is gonna go to op token holders. And then they quickly, oh, really? they quickly like ninja edited that to just say some some fee share amount. Yeah. So and bips. I don't know what. Um, yeah. So like I don't know what the exact is. But if they if they're only giving ten percent back to op and then they take a bunch of optimism's users, um, it's still like a good showcase for the for the op stack. Jan, what uh, bridge do you um, use to, to get on base like back and forth? I I use that like one way address. That you just blindly send and then over there. You haven't withdrawn then, yet. Just... Nah, nah. I've, I've written off what I sent over. <clears throat> At least you didn't deposit to the uh, Shiba Shiba Ram. Yeah. Whatever the Shiba L two is. <laughs> that was well, like two million ETH gone right away. I, I guess. What do you think? Uh, and I, like, what do you think the success of L two is generally, but like base specifically, where people are kind of willing to ape in, you know, mid eight figures, nearly nine figures on a on a like no UI bridge and like meanwhile all L1s and, and Cosmos chains are like grinding their hardest to try and get people to deposit like even a couple million in TVL on, on, on launch day. Like is it that people is it this like ETH philosophy like ETH aligned thing? People want to be ETH aligned. I'm kinda of skeptical of that or is it is it MetaMask? Is it's it like MetaMask. ETH address it's, format? 
Definitely. I think it's MetaMask. It's MetaMask and, it's being, and, it's being, and it's being early to the copy pastas. You know the playbook every time a new L2 launches. You're going to have the lending. They're going to have this. They're going to have that. Like being early is like a big part of it. And you know the play. People know the playbook. And you're, they know you get that, that like, a lot of liquidity is going to like. The declining roller coaster, though. It's like everyone knows the playbook. So it's just like last shorter and shorter. And at a certain point, it's like very short list. Yeah. But I think like one very like obviously the super differentiating thing about base is like you're gonna hope that if there's a bull market or just they make it really easy to like onboard people who just like oh, they can only figure out how to like download coinbase's app and then like all of a sudden the ui is like in their app and it's like super easy to do things and like that is honestly like a massive distribution channel that like i no mean one else yeah has i don't see why you can't like actually just allow people to like just be in their Coinbase account. Like for, it is considered like GMX was like, I mean, Coinbase wouldn't allow people probably to use GMX yeah. through Coinbase, but like you could literally use the Coinbase centralized exchange UI and just use the apps in the back end. Yeah, which would be You wouldn't cool. even have to. What were the user numbers for like Coinbase retail versus MetaMask at like at peak hype? Because, you know, with base, it, it, it's Coinbase, but you know, Coinbase skews US. So whereas MetaMask on its own, it's everyone so curious to yeah i think they have like a silly amount of users like something i know metamask claimed like 30 million users at the peak i don't know what i this could be wrong oh yeah coinbase had 108 million users in 2022 that's a third of the u.s that's like pretty insane yeah, question is, do That's they? Like a lot. I mean, why why would they move to okay. to base if they if they if there's an app that's compelling or to get coins that aren't on Coinbase? So I gotta imagine a, a majority of those Coinbase users are just staying on Coinbase because like, what are they works. what are they even doing on Coinbase? Like, what are these 108 million people? I'm suspicious of how many of these are active. Like, because Cardano, what are you doing there? just like buying cardano and or, or whatever like using there's like totally another world of people that honestly they make coinbase accounts they buy like xrp cardano and like that's all they use coinbase for it's like completely different world of people um i know this because i know people that are like this yeah and it's just it's like totally just it, it's just such a different world from everything we do and we deal with and we look at no but it's like the average spend uh, is probably like like less than 50 bucks sort of thing it's like just like when this bitcoin is like blowing up and it's on the news and like everyone's talking about it just less like than 50 like probably for no. like a lot of these people like think about how many people just like hear about bitcoin and then they go in and put in like 20 dollars like you know everyone at like you must have these stats actually, you're spending right? like, like 10 bucks company. to wire the money so <laughs> no, no, no. You don't. You don't need it. You can play with debit card. They charge you a, a, a cheap four percent fee to, to to pay with debit card. Yeah, we can do average or median. Like, what's the best? Yeah, how many median median Coinbase? But I mean, so one thing, just back to the original point. Like, I think one of the reasons people are comfortable to put a lot of money into this L two is just because Coinbase is not <clears throat> like going away. Um, well, probably not. We'll see, but. They're like comfortable that they're going to their whole marketing team, their whole BD team is going to do their best to create like useful applications there and being early on the chain is like going to be rewarding. And somehow, um, I don't 
think they're ever going to drop like a token or anything that doesn't make any sense. Um, like it doesn't work with that. Okay, the average like Coinbase user more slightly more than five thousand dollars, but that's like kind of skewed super high. Where's median? I'd be surprised if the median's over a thousand bucks. Yeah, especially now. I think Maybe like, like a couple a hundred. Okay, and so you think the you guys think the main reason is MetaMask? Like, if another chain supported MetaMask and gave you the feeling of being early, they'd also be able to attract users. I don't even know. I mean, yes, yeah, it's just easy. Yeah, like even if you think about to like twenty twenty two near the tail end of the bull, like Aurora got uh, a ton of like interest and a ton of farming going on there, and it wasn't built on Ethereum. It was just a bridge from ethereum to uh near right and aurora was actually it wasn't an l2 or anything it was a smart contract on near but it was evm and they had like 300 400 mil tvl um like pretty quickly and then it was super incentivized and now it's but that's what i'm saying like people kind of like go and they farm and like they pillage these lands right and then what's it's it's like important to see like arbitrum and optimism have both done a pretty good job of keeping users right whereas you'd like no other l2 has really done that yet jose the the only thing good enough is metamask or 20 percent yield on unstable <laughs> <laughs> it's the only oh, thing that's gonna draw users <laughs> i think people also people also like to use like eth people like to use eth as money so good a good debate is like is the bull case for ETH that you have all these rollups and people want to use ETH as the main monetary unit on all these chains, or is it that all these rollups just are like MetaMask is just easy. You like add the chain, you, you log on to Synapse.com and you fucking bridge it over, and it's there, and it's you're good to go. They give you a little bit of gas. I mean, but it's not. But it, bridging everywhere is like bridging to a lot of places is not really that difficult. It's just the fact of going and down. Yeah, it's also, I don't want to get anyone's camp. It's synapseprotocol.com. Just go, go through. Do you not not have a ref link you want to show? (laughs) No ref link, but I don't want like someone to type in snaps.com and get fished. So just go. Yeah. But just also, yeah, like think about experiences is bad, right? Like often you'll bridge and then you don't have, like the gas token or whatever, or you bridge the thing that doesn't have liquidity and you can't get out of it on the other end. Like it's 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 just like. A tough Are you talking experience. about bridges that aren't synapse or like in? To, to no, it's going to new chains where you're using a different <clears throat> yeah. gas token. Yeah, yeah. Th- think about um, th- think about Canto too, right? Canto got a ton of users at the end of last year, and I was tracking this pretty closely um, to kind of see if. Uh, like where these users were coming from. And it was literally all from Ethereum, right? There was no IBC volume between Canto and the other Cosmos chains. It was all done through like EVM bridges. Uh, And then as Canto kind of like died down, none of those users stuck around and like actually used different Cosmos chains. They all just came back to what percentage of this stable market cap like is usdc like what percentage of usdc it's all on tron yeah it's tethers all on tron yeah but it's not evm is there even like a little bit that's not evm i think it's like either like the people who still have money left so so one of the biggest at one point 
1.5 billion Solana. That's the biggest non-EVM. But Solana is also really the only like non-EVM chain for the most part. Um, besides the Cosmos. But yeah. I feel like this is the user chains. point of view. Yeah, like just MetaMask is just really the gatekeeper. And then, but like, Jose, like what about, because you guys obviously really big fans of Cosmos. So like, do you think that it'll attract more developers in like five years from now or like, just because the language is better, like this, I don't know what I'm talking about, but just <laughs> curious on why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, app chains in 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 general will be attractive to developers. Um, I think there's a, a bunch of use cases that require like customization at the chain level, or where you want to like own your own block space, um, and especially customization app chains are, are are like the best solution for that. And I think Cosmos SDK specifically. It's kind of like there is no second best in terms of deploying your own chain and customizing stuff. Um, owning your own block space, there is a second best. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like relative to deploying your own L2 or L3 or something. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty hard to, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually like not super easy to, to, to customize an L2 with Upstack or whatever. Um, it's, it's like, it, that's a better option if all you want is to just like control your own block space and have your own kind of like environment but i think for customization cosmos sdk is still best but obviously there's i think a lot of intellectual and financial capital i think the big, biggest risk is that eth kind of takes the modular thesis and like or and the app chain thesis and like out executes cosmos at this point um but yeah i i think that and i think another kind of thing is like you want to see a bunch of app chains that customize that make customizations that are super valuable to users right um like i think once dydx launches and they and they have this um like validators can extract mev or uh like some of the other stuff they're doing like the in-memory order book like these things kind of like show the power of of customization which you haven't really seen so far like all the cosmos chains like osmosis does some cool stuff for sure and some of the others do but like it, it, it hasn't been like a feature that's important enough that's worth giving up like the ux and liquidity benefits of, mm. of ethereum yeah, DYDX, yeah i'm curious i know yeah here just just on dydx is they have like probably the best ux in like for a crypto app that i've personally used um like definitely up there so do you know what their plans are for bridging? Because like they seem to be very product first, like focused in terms of like easy to use. So do you know how they're gonna? Because right now it's just like you deposit from Ethereum into their smart contract. It's gonna be similar. And you just click around. But can you? How's it gonna work on their Cosmos chain? Yeah, it's gonna be very it's similar. Go ahead. From no, MetaMask. <laughs> I mean, they're using they're using MetaMask and everything still. Yeah, you can go. How do they do that? How they can help bridges. They can do that versus the other Cosmos chains. Injective does well, that too. You can you can you can have any. Uh, I mean, you can build Cosmos chains in like any language too. That's why you get like different VMs for Cosmos chains, right? You have EVM chains like Evmos, Canto. You have Cosmosm stuff. You have Agoric, just like JavaScript. Um, so. So they're uh, going to be technically EVM. I don't actually know off the top of my head. Um, do IDX? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Well, I think they're building it in Cosmos SDK mostly. Like, uh, yeah. and there's not, they're not going to have smart contracts enabled, right? It's, it's not like a, 
a permissionless L1, like you're not going to be able to deploy contracts there. So I think they're mostly building it in in, uh, in Cosmos SDK. So yeah, I think some of those launches, like also kind of um, Namada and, and stuff like that are going to kind of show the power of this a little bit more. Um, and also I think native USDC is going to be huge. I think MetaMask Snap could be, could be big too, making that MetaMask integration easier. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, I know Cedrus, you have this take on like L2s being a sovereignty play rather than scalability play. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I think it's more of a sovereignty that it's really, if you've paid attention to the narratives over the last year, it's really changed from the scalability narrative to this like own your own, your own stack, create your own custom app chain, app roll up, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's kind of how they're getting people to come over because right now you just have a million different general purpose EVM chains, which has a, I'm like pretty big critic on like the actual point of that doesn't make much sense to always <clears throat> create these general purpose chains and like just recreate everything. But, um, yeah, like that's the whole Celestia thing too, is like you want all these different gaming rollups with their own modifications to like specifically allow this game to run. Um, you don't have to worry about like security, anything like that. So that's the, that's like the big direction I see it going in. And then I also see <clears throat> like a fragmentation of kind of like social consensus. If you look at the L2s now, they're all fragmented. They're all getting into their own, not just like liquidity is getting fragmented, but the actual social backing it's getting fragmented so like everyone who's building rollers for ethereum they all love like eth they love ethereum they're all ethereum aligned all this but now they're all going to their own silos of like the arbitrum stack the optimism stack <clears throat> the polygon stack uh like starkware and so now you're just like kind of moving down these uh you're just fragmenting the social consensus more um and you're creating like new kind of like independent ecosystems and so that's what i think will be like the the money the l2 wars that have kind of been like kumbaya and everyone's at like these layers these stage zero roll-ups where they're all like super protected training wheels and all this as soon as the first roll-up actually launches like permissionless rod proofs um and takes off a lot of the training wheels now there's like a lot of pressure on the other rollups, right? Because you got to think about it too. Rollups are seen as like an asset to Ethereum, right? Because they're like extending ETH the asset and everything. But rollups can also be a liability where if you get some rollup that gets like, let's say in the future, some rollup has like 10% of ETH and then the bridge gets exploited. Like that's a massive decision now for the L1 to make. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do, right? Are you going to fork the L1? And then you're going to have this one L2 ecosystem where they're all like, no, like we're not forking the L1 for those guys. They were reckless. They didn't have proper security, all this. Um, and then you have some people who like have assets on ETH in this one rollup. <clears throat> so there's, there's definitely a level where like the amount of ETH that's in one of these rollups kind of switches to now becoming this liability where like if anything happens, like... You can look at the Shiba chain, okay? Obviously, you're not going to fork L1 because the Shiba guys lost like 2 million of ETH in there. But there's a different story if it happens to one of these big rollups, right? Yeah. And so, like, what's the level at where this starts to come into play? And politics is going to be a massive thing. So I think, yeah, the L2 wars 
are going to get like probably nastier over the next couple of years. How many years away are we from like base ETH scaling, like base L1 scaling? I don't even think that's happening anymore. Uh, Is it? They're not really focused on it. They're going to do some dank sharding, like data, some data dank sharding, like five, probably five years ahead or something. They're really not focusing on the, they're really not focusing too much on the L1. They're doing, I mean, they're doing some cool things. Um, but yeah, it's mostly focused on L2. I don't know, Vitalik is like a big, big ZK, ZK bull. Um, he thinks if you're like making anything today, you should build with the assumption that like you can prove this in a circuit, um, which is how they would have built the EVM if they knew when they did it that like this would be possible in the future. So. How, do, how does that bode for like alt L2s or all L1s rather in your eyes? Alt EVM L1s? Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, alt EVM L1s will actually probably be cheaper than some of the rollups because Ethereum block space is just expensive. So you could, you could actually kind of do that. I think the alt L1s, I mean, when we talk about alt L1s, who are we talking about? Like Solana. Solana. Um, Apto, Sui, which are like way too new to really say anything about. Um, I think Solana is just like actually creating a unique differentiated product of having the most scalable single, single layer, single, single chain fastest. It's like, makes a lot of sense. And so it's not just a copy pasta L1 that like they're actually doing something different that has a use case so yeah i agree i see i see them as like a very uh noble like uh what about cosmos then what are, what are your thoughts it? on on like app chains in the world of sort of like celestia and and like a lot of these roll up as a service things which are eventually going to become more and more customizable themselves um is there like a reason to trust these like smaller validator sets or should everything just be uh, a roll app like a, a, a well it depends what you want to do it depends what you want to do i think that i think we could see a lot of cosmos chains instead of launching as cosmos app chains launch as like celestia rollups mm -hmm. and if they all share if they all share this da layer then they get a lot of like safer bridging between them and then you can still you can still kind of do some of your skip uh like customized block building stuff like that um with the, your own sequencer set and all that. So you can actually have a similar construction, I guess, to a Cosmos app chain today. It's just instead of having DA yourself, you just outsource it to like Celestia. Um, and I could see that being a model. I agree with you that for app chains, it's the same thing as Solana. Like they need to create something that is truly like unique and a good experience for someone to want to use it and right now it's mostly been create, creating a bunch of like DeFi primitives and i don't know if just like creating a DeFi DeFi primitive as, as an app chain is enough right um you actually need to like do unique things on top uh so i think i think we're seeing that more i think there were just way too many app chains that launched yeah. too. And with like high staking yields and everyone like, you know, they like those high nominal staking yields and just token inflation. There was a lot of early vesting. Um, so there's been some pretty bad, some pretty bad app chains 
um, overall in like Cosmos Eco, but there's definitely some some cool stuff. And I think Cosmos has some of the smartest people too. Like they're ahead of a lot of a lot of trends. It's just it seems like ETH Ethereum Eco seems to benefit from a lot of the ideas. Yeah. And like Skip, like Skip for example, super early on this, this localized MEV capture block building. Yeah. Um, and you see, and it works. They've shipped really game. quickly. And it works. But there's just no, yeah. there's just not much MEV when there's no activity. Is is kind of the issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're doing but, some really cool stuff. Has Go on, Duncan. You were this... smiling. What do you want to say? Uh, okay. Well, I might be losing my mind, but I just like relaunched my trading view, and I'm pretty sure there's like a little pop up of Elon Musk smoking the joint when I clicked on the Tesla chart, but then it, it disappeared really quickly. Did anyone? Has anyone else seen this? I could be losing my mind, but I swear to God, it's like a little cartoon that came out in the corner and I could just be like completely losing it, but. Do I have to go to the Tesla chart specifically? Yeah, like I was just flipping through and I saw like, I don't know, that's just like, it was very vivid. Before we, we wrap up, I know, did you, we discussed like some macro stuff. Yeah. Jan, Duncan, I was, you guys well, wanna... I was pulling up trading view options, like just, just to get the prices ready for everyone. All right, nice. It's a Go on then. You, you've been, you were, uh, you've had some, some remarkably good timing this year. You, you got bearish like the day before market dropped. Go on. Uh, okay. Take so, a victory lap. Uh, well, I think the initial message I sent into like, we have a hundred person group chat and basically it was the day where, so during June and July, like S and P was just making new highs every day. And Bitcoin was just like, it had that big run from the ETF news but it just like couldn't really seem to like keep up or like not keep up like obviously it has some beta there but like it wasn't continuing to make new highs and then on the day that ripple won the case um let me try and find that day on the chart this just took me a second but basically like ripple won the case against the sec you're not a security woohoo that was like august 8th or sorry not august 8th that was um that was july or thursday 13th of July and we like wicked up to like 32k almost and it was just like peak euphoria the ETF was coming you know our altcoins aren't securities um like S&P's making new highs every day and then we just like rolled over pretty quickly and on July 12th like the government had sent like 10,000 BTC from from the one of the seizures uh, to to be sold on Coinbase, but kind of since then we've just been really weak and just kind of like chopping sideways, and volume's been falling off pretty aggressively, um, kind of lowest level since 2020, and with with that kind of happening, like I kind of felt like the only thing that was going to like save the market is like this ETF actually going through, and then as people kind of start extending their timelines on the ETF, okay, like maybe it's not coming like before the end of the year, maybe it's like you know January type thing then I think like the market's just kind of like slowly bleeding. And until there's like firm news on the ETF or like, you know, Grayscale makes some advances in their case um, to, to convert GBTC to, to BTC, then I think I'm like pretty kind of negative about, cause like crypto specifically, like you just have like really low volumes, um, you know, just kind of really shitty price action and then just more broadly on like the macro stuff like this is where it's like i feel way less confident because like you know we're all guessing here but i think a big risk for for the second half of the year is like you know higher yields on the long end of the curve 
which, you know, brings down like tech valuations and, and equity valuations and like, you know, um, and why I think that, or I'm kind of rambling if people want to jump into the crypto specific stuff and then we can go back to like more macro, but I've just no, been no, feeling fine. like ill when I look at the chart and then we had like a big 10% puke. Yeah, no, it definitely looks like, I mean, it's clear a lot of market makers and, and liquidity has stepped back just based on, you know, the, there's more liquidations, uh, whenever that day was a couple of days ago, than then we saw, um, when FTX went down, right? Like this is, so, um, it's clear, like there's a lot less liquidity. I think there's a lot of just general apathy where, you know, people are, are kind of holding and just, just waiting and then others are 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 kind of waiting for the news and so um like part of what was so bullish when we were running into like the higher 20s uh, a couple months ago was you know everyone everyone knew a bunch of people that was that were sidelined and so that was always like oh there's still a lot of people that I have to chase and and so i think that was kind of what what drove it uh, quite a bit and and yeah like like Duncan mentioned also we couldn't break through low thirties on, on just a mountain of, of good news. Um, the, and, and like coupled that with declining volumes, you kind of just see a, a bleed lower. Um, yeah, it, it probably kind of gradually bleeds down. Uh, I mean, so like S and P wise, or I guess like taking a step back, you know, the economy itself is, is still really healthy. Um, you know, you, you kind of have a disconnect where the strongest companies are, are still really well positioned, like, you know, you're looking at data in terms of um, how they're set up, like 80% of long-term debt in the S&P uh, is, is long-term fixed, sorry, 80% of debt in the S&P is long-term fixed, half of it matures after 2030. Um, and then in terms of um, uh, like interest costs relative to um, profits, like these are the lowest on a percentage basis. In, in basically in history since, you know, going back 40, 50 years. So I think a lot of companies, at least the larger ones, refinance and aren't really feeling the squeeze on this. But at the same time, you do have like a, a step up in, in bankruptcies on, on the smaller side. So there, you have less well-funded companies kind of starting to struggle. Then there's, you know, the big chart going around showing um, how, how much savings have been depleted uh, over, over the past year or so. And, and that in particular, you know, just based on the current trend is going to, uh, end in, in, uh, at the end of Q3. And, and so you, you start to see the retail or just the, the, the general consumer tap into likely, you know, what is the most expensive form of, of debt, which is credit card debt. And, and that also gets hit the most by interest rates. Um, and then at the same time, you know, with the, the unpausing of, of student debt that's also going to put a, a kind of cash crunch on the consumer and then on, at the same time you have you know the uh, atlanta fed projecting gdp in q3 at, at i think it was like 5.3 percent which is it's just silly but yeah um back, back to i guess like the crypto specific stuff because like we can talk about macro but i feel like there's probably like you know better people to, to listen to on macro but i think yeah. like if you look at the chart um on like if you if you look in the chart the the bitcoin chart i think like two, and i was pointing this out to yawn like right before we had that 10 percent day but you know um if you look on like march 9th right before the bank it was all in the charts duncan no no no, no. 
<laughs> Listen to this. So in March, like right before, like as the SVB and everything was going under, like Bitcoin looked like it was going to zero yet again. And then we had like the BTFP facility, which obviously like massive rally, like completely news-based rally, massive rally. And then same thing, like Bitcoin was rolling over pretty hard at the end of June. And like, again, looked like it was going <laughs> back to the Shadowlands. And then we had the ETF news, which was like a massive rally. So like both of these like massive impulses up, since uh just kind of like the recovery from ftx have been like news driven events one of like the fed kind of kind of, like kind of pivoting like restarting qe with the, with the btfp facility and then the other one was the the etf news right so i think if you know we're not feeling like super hot on macro and like just volumes are really like leaning out on on crypto then i think we're probably just kind of chopped to bleed until like, as soon as the ETF comes, I think we're going to get like a mega candle and it's all going to be great again. But up until that point, I don't really see what's going to take us higher. And then also like you have just like a really low liquidity environment where there's still these like massive FTVs for like seed investors and like VCs are just sitting on still like insane gains, like stuff like, you know, Aptos and, you know, I don't know much about the project, but what's it trading like a $5 billion um, FTV with like a pretty low float. And then those like big unlocks coming this year. So it's like coins like that, that are just going to continue to suck a lot of liquidity out of like the already thinning like liquidity in, in the system with like volumes at lows. And then, you know, right before we had that negative 10% day, the other thing that was really concerning is Bitcoin puked like 1%. And then we saw like a lot of majors down between like five and 15%, just on a very small Bitcoin move. And, you know, probably not the best person. I think on that point, I think on that point with like the unlocks yeah. and stuff, it's no surprise why on-chain has been coming back pretty well recently because the people that are like still around don't want to like hold those big unlocks. Yeah, and like what does something so like world point It's also not like super compelling in terms of value prop yeah and like, like what does something like worldcoin do to liquidity when it launches at a 30 billion dollar market cap and like it just obviously it's bleeding yeah. like how much does that suck out of the system as people are just <laughs> selling into that like that's like a massive drain on on liquidity um that a lot of these alts i feel like are gonna have and people just kind of get suckered in, into buying them just like the mar like small amount of marginal dollars or like capital flowing into these alts that just have massive FTVs and just have a ton of sellers because their investors are up, you know, silly amounts on, on the seed round. I think it was like buckets though, right? You know, you, you have a small bucket of people that are going to participate in those games. And, and so by some extent, you know, the market makers that are going to be down in those positions have to hedge elsewhere. So like, I think that's how it can impact some of the majors. I don't see that many people really shifting exposures to participate in, in, in those. So, um, I think yeah, like, ideally just... it'll be less of an impact than possible. I mean, the, the biggest issue right now is just, there's the, like no new money flowing in. Right. And then that's, yeah, kind that's of, the other thing. Stable coins that's... are just down into the right. Yeah. Um, I think the stable coin point though is, is somewhat overblown. If you kind of consider it relative to where the stable coin market was relative to market cap in like 2020. Right. So like on, on a relative basis, you still have a lot of room to go. So I think, you know, if you look at it in a silo, yes, the trend is bad, but on a relative basis, there's still an exorbitant amount of firepower um, 
relative to market cap compared to kind of the 2020 levels. Yeah, I mean, even though stable coins have been redeemed in mass, like compare stable coin percent of overall market cap has been like a home rate. Yeah. For the last year and a half, uh, years. Yeah, I mean, Duncan coins went down like 80%. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, then the other fear is, is U.S. selling into no liquidity, right? If, yeah, if like the um, government just dumping into the government nothing. tokens, yeah, into a low liquidity environment isn't great. Ideally, they'll wait until ETF launches. <laughs> I don't think they really care too much about their execution. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, yeah. Like it, there's there's a there's a there's some big stuff going on this week though, right? Because we got Nvidia tomorrow, and then we got Jackson Hole on like Thursday. Here's, Those are both like two pretty massive market events. So here, setters, I'm sending into our chat. Yeah, your stablecoin chart that you want. It's been up only until like the start of 2023. Then it's been down a decent amount since the start of 2023. I mean, it kind of makes sense because everything's up like 2x. Yeah, but the, the, the important thing is like relative to where it was before. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's still elevated. Like, to... Yeah, I'm just like probably bearish until the ETF happens. That's probably where I'm going to sit. I, except for a select few amazing coins. <laughs> which we'll have to buy your shares to find out which ones they are. Yeah, I'm going to have to launch a fintech and then I'll show you guys. But I honestly think like just in general, if you want to talk about like obviously like non-financial advice, but you know, if you're still around, like sticking around and like doing research right now, I think like the best thing you can be doing is like looking for like projects like on chain, like no, I don't think you're really going to do that well. It's buying ETH or BTC, especially if like you're listening to this podcast and you're like this deep into the space, like I would go like a mix of like stables and, you know, looking for good alter. That's at least what I do um, rather than like BTC and ETH. I just think it's pretty difficult to get any sort of edge there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It depends on your, on your, your size too. Yeah. Depending on your size uh, for sure. We can. Oh, do you want to? Do you want to give some more? Some more? Do you want to finish up, Duncan? I mean, we'll do last. We'll do closing thoughts from everyone, and then uh, I think wrap up because yeah, I think we're yeah. I don't have to like closing thoughts on what we kind of like. I don't. We don't have to rehash like <laughs> whatever you want. Macro. <laughs> <laughs> what what else? Duncan can show Synapse and GMX again. Uh, you know, whatever. No, you're going to have to buy my friends.tech shares to figure it out. After the box. Once they launch. You don't have any closing thoughts. I think that like friendtech is, it's nice that people at least are like excited about stuff. And I think even though the, it's been like a pretty. No, but like this is honestly like a great, bear market. How dead everything is. It's like a friendtech is like all anyone can talk about on crypto Twitter for the past week. And there's like. 500 holders of like whatever like the the top like share that's not all that's not all and talking about. it is nah, i think that yeah that's an exaggeration nah yeah it's it's a you're just not it's in like 50 percent right. of my timeline know. you need to upgrade your timeline okay i mean hey people are still doing <laughs> me some people are still doing the last like few months people are still doing stuff like they still use the chain they're still doing stuff on chain it's like there's still some floor amount of like you know, activity that will never leave. Like, you know, the uh, jokes were like, it's the last like 12, like people just trading against each other. 
<laughs> I don't think it kind of feels like that's true. now. And now, not only are they trading against each other, but they're trading each other's shares against each other. But it's all like, I guess, friend tech is just an example of like why it's it's not hard to be bullish ETH in the long run as like any form of mild innovation is successful or not is, is, is you know, more so solidifies ETH as money and, and kind of, you know, everyone's kind of denominating in ETH. It, it's you know, adding to burn, adding to activity, you know, not nearly to the same extent yeah. as some activity on L1, but. Yeah, I really like sure. the analogy. I forget who used this, but it's basically just like ETH's a massive casino and gas is the rake. And I just think like until there is that truly like transformative like thing that's gonna like change your get like hundreds of millions of people onboarded that that's kind of like the truth of it right now. It's just like these are really cool and creative things for ETH and they're gonna keep on popping up. But like until that happens, it does feel like that's a pretty good analogy. All right. Yeah. With that, we're gonna gonna wrap up on that bullish ETH note. But like I'm very (laughs) long term. It's just like right now it's kind of sad. Which is when you should be looking for good coins and buying. Not financial. I mean there's a lot of cool stuff being built. Like, you know, if you subscribe to the research, read any of the reports, if you see any of the stuff's being built across the L ones, there's really cool stuff being built. Like probably more than more than ever. Uh, yeah. I actually think it's more depressing at peak bull when it's just like well, depressing in, in a certain sense, where it's just like, and this this might be just cope, like the, the smiling mask thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, like, I'm up, that depressing. percent on my Dogecoin <laughs> position. Fuck. It was depressing seeing all the all the, like the amount of just like bullshit though. Um, whereas now the people that stick around are actually doing mostly things that that make sense, um, or that could make sense. Yeah, probably just cope. <laughs> anyway, on that note, we'll we'll call it. Thank you very much for tuning in to the second episode of The Hive Mind and see you in two weeks.